Hi, Ali. Hi, Tim. How's it going? Yeah, very good, thanks. Yeah, very good. How's it going for you? Yeah, it's going all right. It's just been a bit of a crap year there, hasn't it? Yes, it has. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, but I assume that's where you were going to say something else. Yeah, I because it's been such a write-off, I think one of the things we can do to get through is just to cast our minds onto something that is more enjoyable, such as music. Very good idea. What did you have in mind? Why don't we talk about music that we both love and, and I guess what we like about it, how it's shaped our lives and perhaps what factors influence the music itself. I see, so sort of diving a bit deeper into the music and understanding why we feel the way we do about it. Yeah, exactly. And, and perhaps challenging some of the established narratives that history has created for some of the music. Sounds like a great idea. How about we call it life's music? Yeah, why not? <laughs> <laughs> Hi Ollie, how are you doing? Hi Tim, yeah, all good, thanks. You okay? Yes, very good, thanks. Yeah, yeah. And um, I'm quite excited to be discussing the topic of today's episode, actually, because it's sort of highly controversial, but also close to the heart, possibly for the same reason, because it's Oasis's Be Here Now. Yes, their infamous third album. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> Oasis is a favourite band for both of us. It's another band that we saw at the same concert without knowing at the time. And <laughs> and I guess we could consider ourselves lucky for having seen them when we did, because it wasn't even a year after that that they actually split up. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. It was wild, actually. I, I, it was because um, I remember buying the CD for Dig Out Your Soul, which was their last one. Yeah. And it was kind of like, like in, in my head, it was like, hmm, this is an interesting, it's almost like, you know, the collector's edition album. Like, it was an all right album, but the, yeah, I didn't think it was, for what it's worth, I thought it was really good. But it was like, it almost doesn't matter what the album is. It's like, I got to buy this because it's like the last one. Yeah, it, it's kind of almost an album you buy out of loyalty. You yeah, know, exactly. Because, because, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like a trophy for the last, yeah. last uh, man standing, last men standing or something. Yeah, which I thought was really funny. But so in terms of as in the sort of classic or at least the developing life's music style, what would you like to talk about on this episode? I'd definitely like to talk about the the story behind the making of this album because there's a lot to be said <laughs> from uh, uh, looking at yeah. the uh, backstory, but also. It'd be good to compare it, I guess, in, in performance terms against the previous two albums up until that point. And yeah. also, I guess, then take a view on our own perspectives on the album, like favourite songs, favourite lyrics. Um, yeah. What went well? What could be better? <laughs> yes, yeah, that yeah, kind yeah, of thing. So uh, anything else that you wanted to look at? Yeah, well, no, that, that pretty much encompasses it. But there's three, yeah. for, for me, there were like three different segments that i thought were, were interesting yeah worth commenting on yeah. first of all yeah obviously we'll go into detail when we, we start but like be here now is a bit like saying you weren't there man <laughs> do you know what i mean 
so it's it's a sort of and that, and that sort of epitomized it a little bit for me because it's kind of like an in the moment blast of music which retrospectively people have tried to adjust and modify and say oh you know we're not too keen on it it's it, you know it's awful it, yeah. some people are like oh it's overblown and even at the time yeah there was a sort of very mixed reception to it i think you know yeah. both massively in favor and both panning it completely yeah so there's that aspect to it and then there's a the second one which i thought was an interesting wider societal factor which was the media's revenge which was <laughs> yeah um it because because this is interesting because i think i might have stumbled across yeah maybe this is this is pure speculation with evidence very limited but <laughs> there is well there is a sense around the late 90s and early 2000s that the power of the media is unbelievable like it's yeah because obviously you got you've got this album then you've got the hounding and death of diana princess wales yeah You've got various other. You've got you've got the sort of the phone hacking scandal, which was later on. But you had the you know the origins of the phone hacking scandal and the origins of the the basically this sort of illicit trade in personal details of celebrities and famous people among pre- among the press. Yeah. And then you got you know famously in the in the film Notting Hill, this is sort of epitomised. You know, you've got this really famous actress, and it's just like it's that period where you can imagine crowds of photographers outside some venue. I know you know I know they sometimes still do this, but not so often. Um, you know, outside a place, a venue, a um, house where someone's waiting for for a celebrity, and I think this this is an interesting period to make an album in. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad um, you I'm glad you've mentioned this because that is one of the things I wanted to pick up on in terms of the the backstory because it definitely had an effect on the making the album, you know, and I, and it's I agree you could probably say that this, this was probably the zenith of uh, kind of tabloid uh, yeah. culture. Yeah, you know, the, and, and by this point. Oasis were, were like the biggest band in the country, in the world, perhaps even, you know, and, yeah, uh, yeah. and that definitely drew a lot of attention and had its consequences. Uh, but yes, um, carry, carry on. And then, and then just, yeah, like, uh, you know, the, the production and the songs and some of the inspiration behind the album, that kind of thing, the, the nitty gritty of the inside of the yeah. band type thing. Yeah, I think that'd be interesting. Um, okay. But do you, want, do you want to start? Yeah, sure. Point, yeah. yeah, so really the backstory to this uh, album is uh, is fraught with uh, a lot of issues, really. Um, there's, yeah, a few definitely, the- yeah. there's a few, few themes I, I picked up on and perhaps want to, for any young listeners, uh, you know, be advised, we're about to discuss something that parents might want to shield your ears from, but uh, it's, about, <laughs> it's, about, it's about drugs, basically. Yeah, a okay, lot of, yeah, yeah, a yeah, lot yeah. of drugs. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Essentially, at this time, in the band when they record when they were recording the album there was yeah. essentially regular access to cocaine sorry i don't want to ruin the flow but we are assuming some prior knowledge of what we yeah who oasis are and we are supposed to so that's fine that's fine yeah i, I guess so <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 let's just go with it that's yeah. fine yeah so and it wasn't just a band uh using this drug it was also the producers and and, and many other people in the wider circle it was sort of yeah like there's a sort of entourage around the band by the sounds of it oh just yeah lots weird, of like Weird and yeah. wonderful sort of people who sort of were attracted to the fame and the showbiz and the and the drugs, I suppose. Yeah, if you imagine the back, there's the band, and then you've you got their label, which is Creation Records at the time, but then you've also got their management company called Ignition, uh, and you've got all these people who are you know have an interest in the band as well, and you know they're in this inner circle <laughs> of power yeah, 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 basically. Yeah. And with fame comes money, and with money comes uh, the ability to purchase. Uh, certain substances and yeah. 
and, and it's interesting i think i think as well because they, there's also with the fame and the money is like a certain type of purposelessness which brings on that drug kind of behavior because it's kind of like you don't really know what to do with yourself you're kind of achieving everything you wanted to achieve but you're sort of like well, what do i do then yeah and basically yeah. what's left for for people who aren't really thinking about it i suppose yeah. or somebody who was so young is parties and um all that yeah yeah and and you know cocaine is often considered a wealthy drug and they they would have been definitely wealthy by this point off the uh off the back of the sales from their second album what's the story morning glory which was is arguably a classic and yeah. but also i guess all those ticket sales from nebworth that they did yeah, in 96 yeah. you know that yeah. that uh, that must have been a hell of a concert and um if you've seen really, the- I, I i was i was reading like they had so it's not in 1996 they they did they played nebworth I've had 2.5 million people apply for tickets. Yeah, it's insane, isn't it? It's just insane. And, then, and the crowd is like 250,000 each night or something around that. It's just so mad. It, it was enough for like, uh, I don't know what the maths is, but like several, several concerts, basically. Several yeah. runs, essentially. And uh, they could only do two. But yeah. a lot of people seem to point to that as the band Zenith, really. Like they never got bigger than that. That was yeah. their, their moment. And that kind of fits into the established narrative of this album, which is, oh, they blew it. You know, there, there was too much expectation, there was too much hype, <laughs> uh, and the album failed to, to expectations. But I mean, go, going back to the, the drug use, it, essentially one of the themes I picked up on was that basically impaired judgment came to producing the album. I think even though the producer and Morris, who was kind of a long-term collaborator with these guys uh, for their mm. first two albums, you know, he himself admitted to kind of getting in on the act, really, and not really ch- challenging enough the, the excess in terms of the production of the album, you know, so layers yeah. after layers of guitars and long song, run, you know, track running times, you know, yeah. a lot of it, upon reflection, is probably just unnecessary. Like, you could you could easily cut down bits of this and it, and it could still be absolutely great, but perhaps there's a sense that, you know, there wasn't enough sanity, <laughs> sanity check. Yeah, well, that, that's what the Noel Gallagher. Yeah, that's what yeah. Noel Gallagher says in interviews, isn't it? It's like sort of like there's no quality control. The, yeah. The produ- because the producer, the producer was just as gone as they were, basically. Yeah. So that's not it's not a good situation to be in, and um, so that that's one of the first issues. Another issue, as you've just mentioned, is the media. This this kind of I've put in my notes here: price of fame, constant paparazzi <laughs> presence. So yeah, particularly yeah. Liam was a massive target for uh, yeah. all that attention. But uh, what, what, it, do, you, do you think he sort of is that, is that due to his way? Yeah, he sort of almost invited it in a way. It's almost yeah. like they were. I was wondering whether this was part of the Oasis story is that they sort of invited all the fame and there was so, I mean, especially looking at that interview, yeah, the, the pre-concert interview you sent me yeah. yesterday in preparation for this is that yeah, they're obviously so cocky and so sure of themselves on air that it's not surprising that some people wanted them taken down a peg or so, do you know what I mean? Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm sure there's there's definitely, there definitely would have been a few people in the media who had their own agenda to want to try and put these guys in their place because they just didn't like their, the cut of yeah. their jib or whatever. And, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe it's also like the, you know, celebrity, you know, romances and stuff. I think, I'm, I can't remember if Liam Gallagher was going out with Patsy Kenter at the time. I think so, yeah. Um, I think, yeah. Uh, well, there was, there, was a, there was a whole period of where they were recording where he was sort of like trying to find a house and buy a house. Oh, that was it, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, it's just it's such random behaviour. Yeah. But yeah, they, they sort of, um, 
they they broke up and then then they got back together and then they got another you know somebody you know Noel left the band and then came back to the band and then Liam left the band and then came back you know and then I think they played without him once and yeah. he was heckling from a balcony yes the entire yes. time and then yeah. and then they re and then they, <laughs> then he rejoined the band afterwards it's just really bizarre yeah and, and, and that, that's uh, but, but this is what I'm saying like right it's yeah. almost like a show like the Oasis was almost like a show it wasn't even mm. like just music after that yeah. Yeah, it's um, it, it's the whole package. It's not just yeah. the music. It's the lifestyle, and, and and to be fair, that's what Noel and Liam consciously signed up for. There were no there were no doubts about yeah. you know what yeah. what to expect. That that's what they wanted. Um, yeah, it was. I think. But that's what they you know they always say you know be careful what you wish for. You know you, it may yeah. seem like oh that looks great when you don't have it, but then when you do have it, you're probably thinking oh man. I, I wonder sure. whether it's funny because yeah yeah because yeah, because on that I think Liam is much more because Noel is very Noel Gallagher is very uh, he seems very like I mean it, it's it's funny because when you compare them together they seem bizarre they seem like really contrasting but yeah. then when you p- compare either of them to anyone else like they're still like next level either really sort of cocky and arrogant or really well they they're just funny do you know what I mean they just have this kind of. Yeah. They're just a laugh. They just say what they think in a way that others just don't. But then, yeah. but then, but the difference between Noel and Liam is that Liam seems to actually be—he he almost makes no apology for this whole period, whereas Noel does. Yeah, it's interesting how retrospectively they have different opinions on both the album and the lifestyle of the time. I think Liam just thinks of it as this one big party, and it was great, and and he stands by the album. He ranks it as his favorite Oasis yeah. album, which is you know, <laughs> which is incredible. Whereas like. Like yeah. Noel has made many attempts to, you know, change it. Yeah, well, just just to just to play it down or criticize it. Like I think you're almost yeah. almost yeah. ashamed of the yeah yeah album, definitely. Really, I, I I read actually that um, you know we were talking a few weeks back about the the kind of the 2016 remix of the yes, uh, yeah, do, yeah. do you know what I mean single yeah yeah um, he so he decided not to apply that to the rest of the album he just didn't feel it would be right so he only did it for that that yeah, lead single yeah. uh, the rest of the album it remains as it is and they, they also released it on uh, re-released it on vinyl in 2016 actually and actually went to number Charted, one in the, yeah, in the yeah, vinyl yeah. chart so it's uh, it, it yeah. clearly has its fans and I, I, I from, from what I read the like although Although at the time when the album came out, it, it did sell 2.1 million copies in the UK and went seven <laughs> times platinum and was number one in the UK album chart. However, only a yeah. couple of years later, it was also the album most sold to secondhand record stores. Wow. So clearly wow. there's, a, there's quite a few people who bought the album thinking it, it, it yeah. would be another morning glory. And then they thought, oh, no, it isn't. And then they just they just got rid of it. But I yeah. think amongst yeah. Oasis fans, like long running fans who've you know, listened to all the albums and go to concerts rather than just people who like them at the time or whatever you well know, i think it, yeah there's, it, it there's, remains a favorite i think for them uh, yeah definitely i think yeah. there's, a, there's a, there is a sense that there are such people that they surf the trend and they're like you know i'm gonna go out and buy it because the press says it's so great or my friends have said it's so great or you know it's gonna be as good as the last one or whatever yeah uh, but then but then when it's like not cool it's kind of like oh, i've got to get rid of this as soon as possible yeah. <laughs> otherwise I'll look like one of those oh, look, look. otherwise I can't can't say oh you know I, I knew it wouldn't be very good you know I, yeah. I, I could tell <laughs> yeah looking back I could tell you know and then you know obviously yeah. they don't they don't have the record anymore so they can they can sort of prove it almost yeah um that's <laughs> why I didn't buy it but actually secretly they've just sold it off 
or just pretend you never had it in the first place. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, and you already kind of went on to another theme I picked up on, which was, which was band instability, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. They yeah. did nearly split during the US tour. And that, interestingly, was one of the, the reasons why Noel wrote Talk Tonight, is when he kind of disappeared oh, yes. to, um, was it San Francisco or something? He, uh, and, he, and, he met, <laughs> and he met someone on his, kind of, on his travels and, and he, wrote, he wrote the song in the hotel room, you know, very rock and roll. <laughs> yeah, 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 it, it is. Okay. It's almost like, you know, yeah. almost like cliche rock and roll. Isn't it? Yeah. There's a reason for that. I didn't know that actually. That's really interesting. Yeah, I think um, I think it is that song. Yeah, I'm sure it is because because like later on the master plan, isn't it? Yeah, it became it was a B side. I don't know to which yeah. single, but it was a B side, and obviously master plan that in itself is a, is an amazing al- album. It has yeah, its own yeah, yeah. Uh, podcast episode, you know, uh, <laughs> worthy of it, I guess. But. Uh, you know, that's just an example of uh, Noel's ability to write decent tunes. But speaking of that, one of the other things I picked up on here was he, Noel was actually suffering from writer's block in the run-up to this album. He yeah. hadn't written anything for eight months, and a lot of that was due to touring pressures, essentially. They did a lot of touring off the, the second album. Um, so, yeah, yeah. And I guess this the US tour, I think, came before they started um, recording Be yeah. Here Now. I was going to say, the sense of expectation must have been starting to... There's nothing like pressure to make you not think of anything. Yeah, I, I mean, that's the thing. Looking at the interviews, I think there's a sense of almost writing the album just because that's just what you do you know once you come yeah. off tour you write the album you record it then you then you go off and tour it again and so on and so forth so it's just a kind of an endless wheel of uh, of um, music creation and promotion yeah. really yeah. um yeah. and the, the approach that Noel had to take this time which was very different to what he was able to do with the first two albums was to essentially lock himself away in a very kind of almost professional <laughs> kind of approach to just, you know, say, right, today I'm going to get out of bed, I'm going to start in the morning, I'm going to finish in the evening, and then I'll be it for the day. And he did that for two weeks. He uh, went to um, Mick Jagger's holiday home in Mystique <laughs> with, yes, uh, uh, yeah. with, with Owen Morris um, in tow. And yeah, for two solid weeks that he, he, he covered most of the album. I think a few, apparently a couple of songs they played at Nebworth were going to be on the album. Uh, yeah, yeah. One of them was It's Getting Better Man. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't yeah. remember the other one. So essentially two of the, two of the songs had already been written, but most of the album was written in that two-week period. So yeah. it wasn't the usual effortless inspiration style that Noel was used to, I think, with the yeah, first yeah. two albums. This time it was more deliberate. So yeah. that may have had an, had an impact on the on perhaps the, the quality of the, of the songs. I, um, I don't, I, it's interesting because I think I actually, uh, I think, it definitely must have an impact on Noel himself for feeling mm. like this is not a great album because I just hated making it or something. Yeah. Or hating writing it at least. And obviously it explains why Liam would have, would have enjoyed it so much because he didn't do any of the writing. But, um, <laughs> but like, but, but you know, I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Are the songs less good? I mean, we'll discuss that later, I suppose, but yeah. it's interesting. Well, put it this way. This is the last Oasis album that Noel completely writes in its entirety. Yeah. After this point, you get Oasis Mark II. You yeah. know, so you get Jem Archer and Andy Bell join a band in 2000, I think. And from yeah. standing on the shoulders of giants onwards, you get a situation where Noel is no longer writing all of the songs. He's advertising yeah. the band to an extent by sharing some of the writing responsibilities with other members of the band, including Liam. So in a way, you could argue that 
this is the last classic Oasis album in the sense yeah. of the original classic lineup yeah, yeah. of the band, but also in the, in the way it was created, i.e. Noel being the, the chief songwriter, being the, the driving force of the, of the creativity. The of the yeah. And, you know, you can kind of understand perhaps like by the time it gets to the fourth album, he's like, you know what, I've had enough of, <laughs> of that yeah. burden. You know, I'm quite happy to share. And maybe, and maybe he was. But, I mean, that I guess... I mean, this is a point we could come on to later on, but perhaps part of that, that idea of him no longer carrying all the, the duties for songwriting is perhaps because maybe the, the backlash or the exp- to the album, as well as the experience of yeah. creating it, maybe rocked his confidence a bit. Yeah, that's true. I think uh, that's really right. And, yeah. and you, you could argue that I think from that point onwards, after the, they were never that brazenly confident as they used to be. I think, <laughs> I think they were a lot more self-conscious, I think, as a, as a band, at least in terms of the, yeah, the yeah. songs they were writing. Like, I don't, I mean, I'm just going to put this out there. I would pick Be Here Now above anything they did afterwards in terms of albums. I would always, if you gave me the choice between 90s Oasis and noughties Oasis, I will always go with 90s Oasis. Interesting. You know, I would. Yeah. I mean, and that's not, to, that is not in any way to deny like the quality of songs um, that they produced afterwards. And they did, they had many, they continued to have many hits later into, into yeah. the following decade and continue to be a successful band. But I just think that in terms of the number of songs on Be Here Now that I like, it, it's just, it's, it's, for me, it's just a more consistent album than anything else that came after, really. I think what, on... What I don't believe the truth was pretty strong. If I uh... that, yeah, that that was the second. That that's probably the strongest album they made after yeah. that point. Yeah, I yeah, think, yeah, arguably. Yeah. And I think a lot of uh, I think that the critics agreed that at the yeah. time as well. They said you know it's just probably their strongest effort in years. I probably yeah. like even chemistry after that. Oh yeah, yeah I, for- I always forget this. I always forget that one. Yeah. So, um, I mean, but standing on the shoulder of giants, I was not, not particularly <clears throat> interested. In. No. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's some decent tracks. They they do have those. Mo- it's like yeah, when you know where an album is not not like five stars when mm. you're certain songs you i can't remember what certain songs are like on there and it's kind of like well they seem to sort of blend together a little bit where obviously whereas obviously in some you know in an album that you really like you remember every single song and you know remember exactly how it goes yeah um like you know what it is yeah i know what you mean like I, you know an album like definitely maybe or morning yeah. glory I can I can remember those pretty well offhand, whereas yeah, later albums I might struggle to remember like yeah, all yeah. of the songs or the exact running order or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas otherwise, it just becomes kind of ingrained. And actually, and actually as well, when you when you sing them back, you sort of know the know all the words as well. So yeah, it's like it's like filed in your brain. But yeah, in, yeah, in those later albums, it's kind of like yeah, well, I, I yeah, funnily enough, I actually don't think I've listened to all of Standing on the Shoulder of Giants, but. Yeah, I think I think like I've always sort of either got bored of it or just kind of just drifted into something else or not remembered bits of it or yeah. Yeah, I think upon purchasing an album, I would always give it, you know, do the right thing and listen to it all the way <laughs> yeah. through at least a couple of times, and then by yeah, that yeah, point, yeah. I'd be able to kind of pick out what the the favourite tracks are and kind of discard the rest of really. it. Uh, yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. But yeah. So, so as an album, it was commercially successful. I mean, it, yeah. it, at that point in time, it became the fastest selling UK album in history. It's not like it was a flop and all around the world. And you know what I mean? Yeah. Two of the three singles that were released hit number one, Stand By Me, 
uh, hit number two, held off the number one spot by Candle in the Wind uh, by Elton John <laughs> uh, around the time of Diana's death. Um, yeah, yeah, of course. So, yeah. so uh, if it wasn't for that, they would have had essentially three number ones. You know, so this, this yeah. would have been, so you know again a, a great commercially performing album. Interestingly, when you compare this to Definitely Maybe and Morning Glory, they, it only has half as many UK singles. So there was some, Don't Go Away was a fourth single, but they only released it in the US and Japan and other territories. It wasn't a UK single. So as far as the UK is concerned, there's only three singles off this album, whereas Definitely Maybe and and Morning Glory had six singles each. And, you know, most of those singles off those first two albums at least reached the top 40, if not hit the kind of the top 10. Yeah, you know, definitely maybe reached number one in the album charts, went seven times platinum and sold too many copies. So again, similar performing album to be here now. Whereas yeah. what's the story more in glory? Despite originally upon release reaching only number two in the album chart, it sold 4.7 million copies and went 15 times platinum. Wow. So that gives you a sense probably of yeah. overall what uh, the scale of the of, difference yeah. between them, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, and I guess what the public kind of thinks of the back catalogue. I think, you know, the wider public, beyond just Oasis fans, probably remembers Morning Glory as the more classic and enduring album because we're yeah. talking cumulative sales here, not just sales at time. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but as you, you know, as we've said, you know, there's, you could argue there's a growing consensus now that actually Be Here Now isn't such a bad album. It's worth yeah, revisiting. And, and to be honest, I'm glad I have because it is a great album. It, you know, it has its imperfections, but that's part of its charm, one could argue. So, uh, yeah, definitely. Well, that, well that's, that's, that's almost like the perfect segue into the Be Here, you know, you weren't there, man. Like, yeah. Because <laughs> you when we were getting high, you know. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, quite, yeah, exactly. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Three years later, I guess. But yeah, it was because so my, my my through through some wandering through the internet, I sort of discovered I sort of discovered there was a George Harrison album by the same oh sorry song by the same name. That's right, yeah, yeah. And it's sort of presumably well, I presume yeah. You know, there's very the the cultural influences at the time stemming from you know to, to George Harrison to this kind of yogi kind of Hindu mystic book of the yeah. same name. Yeah, right. So what the name means, although Oasis may not have even been aware of this, is sort of this meditative kind of idea, like of actually being being present in the moment. Then, yeah, yeah, mindfulness, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 Which I think, you know, is kind of you know that in itself is almost irrelevant because no one gives a shit. But basically, we, well, no, I mean, you know, I, you know, it's not like they were thinking about that at the time. They just picked the name because they liked it. Yeah. But but there is an interesting ironic uh, irony to this, which is that in looking back on it, you never really truly, you have to, you know, as we were saying, I think before we started recording, or at least we, maybe we said it last week or whatever, you have to be in a certain frame of mind to get it and to like it. Yeah. You can't get there purely on the logic of it. You have to have discovered it at a certain point in your life where you're feeling like this. Absolutely. And, yeah. and, then, and then you get it. Yeah, and it's like, and you don't. You, there's no. There's almost like no point in trying to explain it because the music, as you said, the record, the production quality, yeah, you know, the production is just awful, and it's just kind of, you know, there's no, there's no, um, you know, the or the the writing was forced. The music was all, yeah, you know, the, the production was awful. All the songs are ridiculously long, and the album is ridiculously long as well. But so it's almost like I, I don't know. It's very difficult to describe, but there is a sort of mystic element to the album that you can't really explain other than you have to be there 
you know, to be there you know, in in mind. I mean, rather than there, literally there to get it. Yeah. Does that, do, do you think that do you think that's fair? Yeah, I think um, what we're saying is it's not the um, it's not an album that you could just stick on and immediately access it. It's not. It's yeah, not, yeah. It's, it's not easy listening. It's not. Uh, it's definitely not like the first two albums where it's it's more. Well, I guess I guess the second album's sort of more poppy to an extent. Yeah. Whereas yeah, the, the second album, album I yeah. thought I always think the second, the first album is kind of like yeah, fine, raw, raw rock and roll, yeah, yeah, and then then the second album is much more polished, isn't it? Yeah, I agree. Definitely, yeah. yeah. And then the third album, I think it's it's for it's for the fans, really. Almost this <laughs> album, it's for the fans. This this one definitely yeah. drove drove the. Uh, drove some people away and yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah, i can yeah. i can understand so it should have done because yeah yeah, the, yeah this is not for everyone So when did you discover this album in your life then? You know, what, what, point, what point in your life did you happen upon this and why do you think it connected with you at the time? So I'll, I'll have a guess. I'm not totally certain, but I have been thinking about it a fair amount before the episode. But the, so before I went to university, I had a gap year. <laughs> there it is. So we, we, we <laughs> it. Before I went to university, I had a, a gap year, but I didn't go traveling or anything bougie. I was a painter and decorator basically for, for pretty much the entire year for 2007, essentially 2007. I think it was 2007. Yeah. And for some reason I started listening to Oasis during, I started really getting into it but before I think my brother had had, or my mom had my brother or whatever. I think my mom had had it original, you know, 1994, 1997, whatever releases. And then my brother had started listening to it in the early 2000s. Mm. My brother was younger than me. Wow, okay. Um, like, so I, I remember I remember Wonderwall being, you know, like a thing that was happening in two thousand and two in our house. Yeah. It was being played a lot by my brother. But then in five, six years later, I was driving a very long distance every day to go to various different places where there were building houses that I painted. And essentially I I have found the Be Here Now CD and put that in my car. And essentially it was just like I don't know, it just reminds me of the the summer of that period whenever i drove anywhere i would be listening to that album yeah and that's how i got into it and it was just like i don't really understand how to describe it but it's like it was it was a very it was kind of surreal because <laughs> you're kind of driving and it's kind of like i don't know you know it's it felt like i'm gonna go gonna go out on a limb here and suggest something i can't really evidence again but like it was like the first time i was really in control of my life okay and that was the that was the tune that was like you know yeah you know this is, you know, let's have it type thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, like I say, it's, it's very difficult yeah. to put into words, like to describe rationally, but that was the mindset I was in. Yeah. Um, and then it stuck with me ever since, like in, through university, it was like, I was playing it every so often, like it would be sort of like on. And like, that, like Hugh, for example, got really into it as well. And it used to, and it sort of, yeah, I don't know, it kind of just kind of grew from there essentially. And I was always like, yeah, I know. Like, cause I knew what the reputation was at the time. Yeah. I don't know. I, I thought it was like my, my secret that I knew that it was actually good and everybody else thought it was poor. I thought it was pretty bad. <laughs> really funny. Yeah. Or that I somehow saw something in it that they didn't or something like this. It's just, yeah. just a weird one. <laughs> what, what, what about you? Do you have a similar, similar story or is it? Interesting enough, I was listening to Oasis in 2007 as well. Like I... It's so funny, this is, this is yeah, what I mean, right? It's yeah. weird that we were listening to it at the same time because we're obviously yeah. about the same age at the time as well. 
Am I a couple of years younger than you? I was born in 90. Were you, are you an 88? No, 89. Okay. So, um, April 89 as well. So, yeah. So, so basically at this point, I was in my second year of sixth form. So I was doing my A2 yeah. levels as they used to be called then, I guess. I don't know if they're still <laughs> called that now, but yeah. So I, I was, I was starting my second year at sixth form and I, that's when I really got into Oasis among many other kind of classic British bands like the Stone Roses and the Smiths and whatnot. And um, a year before then, I, I had tried listening to Definitely Maybe and it just wasn't for me at the time. I don't know why. Yeah. I just, I, I just, it just didn't really do anything. I know exactly me. what you mean. Yeah. And yet a year, a year can pass and suddenly you're ready for it. And, and that's why a lot of the time, you know, music is about timing, really. You, you, yeah. It kind of either connects with you or it doesn't. And so that's why sometimes it's good to revisit things, you know, rather than just completely write it off. But so really, you know, and, they... and, and, fun, and funnily enough as well, I think, I think similarly, there are times when you're, you sort of, um, I was actually listening to something the other day and they were talking about how there are certain things that are almost like almost, this is going to sound really grandiose, but almost like religious experiences, right? Yeah. Where you sort of, you have this period of time where you're absolutely loving it. Yeah. But anytime outside of that period of time, it's like, like you can't quite catch that same feeling again. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, so, so yeah, for, for example, I mean, with, with certain types of music, I mean, you can listen back to some tracks and yeah. they sound amazing, but you wouldn't go straight in and listen to the whole album again, for example. I'm not, yeah, I'm not, I think I probably would listen to Be Here Now. I, did, I just did, actually, again. But, like, it wouldn't be, yeah, I mean, it, there are certain things at the moment which I'm really into and I, and I can't get out of it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Um, but but in a couple of years it will be completely different. Yeah, definitely. I think my my perspective on on my albums I I used to love has changed with time. Like I probably yeah. don't, probably don't rate them as much as I used to, or perhaps the, the other way around. Um, but that, that's that's part of the the joy of uh, of life. Really, is that like your yeah. perspective changes, and you know, particularly as as you as you experience more in life, I guess you know at this point we're both teenagers listening to uh, listening yeah. to this 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 music and. You know, late 2007, I was, I was only really aware of the first two albums. And then it wasn't until early 2008 where I then happened upon Be Here Now. And for me, it reminds me of the spring time of that year where yeah. essentially I was starting to gear up for the finals, you know, just do, doing like finishing off coursework and, you know, having kind of finished doing resets, but also like, you know, starting to revise for the real thing, you know, later in the summer. So all the kind of the, the classes starting to wind down. But when I was still going on to the school site, I was uh, still having like revision sessions with teachers and stuff. And and, it, and I remember like listening to this album, just walking on the way to, to sixth form, because it's like on the other side of town for me. So I could fit in a good like 40 minute walk, you know, and yeah. just like blast this album on in my headphones. And yeah, it was, uh, it just reminds me of that time, you know, particularly I, I, I remember like the song, It's Getting Better. I always quite liked that song. It, it had a real optimistic tone for me, particularly as like, you know, when you go, when you go spring into summer, you know, the days start getting longer and warm and sunnier. And, and also it's that sense of the future is, is full of possibility at that point. You know, you your you know, universities around the corner you're about yeah. to leave your school days behind. So for me, it felt, like, yeah. Yeah, it yeah. felt like an optimistic time. So I think that's why I connected with the album because it was full of that kind of, uh, th th there is a lot of like positivity, I think, in the album. Yeah, yeah it's a very optimistic well, album, yeah. Yeah, Wh whether it's false or not, I don't know, but it, it, certainly, <laughs> it certainly connected with me. So for, for me, it's, uh, it brings back happy memories for sure. Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? Yeah. It's amazing how it can kind of just trigger those kind of things in you. Yeah.
Do you get that uh, experience that some people get where like music can actually send shivers down your spine? Do you, do you, <laughs> do you, do you get that? Is, that? is that something you've ever experienced? Because apparently, uh, no. No, I was going to say, because I, 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 I think it was a couple of weeks ago, I saw this article, the scientific study showed that only half of people in this test actually experienced that phenomenon where music can trigger such a, a sensation inside your body, you know, like, wow. you know, and, and I've experienced it many times, like whether, I, whether I'm playing music or listening to music, but it will only be, it won't be any song or just, any, you know, any, anything going. It, it, it's, sometimes it's specific moments in a song and yeah. it's, it's hard to explain it, but your brain can be triggered by certain sounds to just kind of have that effect on you and um yeah this is what you were talking earlier about the experience or almost of how in a moment you can feel just by listening to music how often do people nowadays actually just you know sit and listen to something rather than just have it in the background when i was listening to this album for this podcast i decided to go on a walk you know in the fields near where i live Um, yeah very good idea and uh i was able just to give it my full attention just by yeah, just by having it in my headphones, just, just going for a walk. It's quite funny, actually, because uh, on my return journey uh, all around the world, that nine-minute monster <laughs> track, uh, yeah. you know, Noel Gallagher's attempt to write his own Hey Jude equivalent. Yeah. It, yeah, was, yeah. it was still going by the time I got into my flat. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's like, but most, most yeah. of it's just fluff as well, isn't it? It's not even like, it's just... Nah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and three key changes as well. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I'm not even yeah. kidding. Good. Let's talk just about the media exposure. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah, yeah. we've, we've talked about how this was an overhyped album and doing some digging it turns out that the band themselves are kind of partly to blame for this. Yeah, of course. And the, yeah, yeah. and the reason why that is the case is because their management company, which I mentioned earlier called Ignition, basically they seem to have this paranoia about overexposure. I think they, they were worried about either what happened with the previous album or, mm. or certainly other albums that they'd seen released around that time. And that what they wanted to do was to basically control media access to the album. So what they, what they did... Was they, they what do they mean of, by overexposure? Well, I guess, I guess the thing is, is they, they didn't want too much of it to be leaked prior to release because they thought that might affect sales, I guess, or maybe the public's appetite for, for, for yeah. purchasing the album. It's um, ironic because, because as we know from the Arctic Monkeys example, that's actually the opposite to what happens. Yeah, I mean, but that's... Ironic is exactly the word we can use here because basically what they did was they went to extreme lengths to, to limit the access and in doing so they just ended up making it worse. <laughs> they, they built up the hype purely by creating this mystery around the album because no one knew anything about it. Yeah, yeah, like for yeah, example, yeah. They, they limited the pre-release radio airplay and even forced journalists to sign gag orders so they could yeah, listen yeah. to the album but they couldn't talk about it, not even to their really? own partners. Um, And it basically alienated both the press and and many of the industry personnel that were connected with the band, including those. I I think, I think this is, yeah, this is actually really, really interesting and really important because I think, yeah, and it will go into it, but sorry, carry on. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's the overview really, essentially. Like they, they, they they went to great lengths in order to prevent overexposure and, and to prevent too much hype. But in the end, they ended up creating it 
But yeah. I, you know, that's the that's the the irony of it, really. So, um, but yeah. So, yeah. What, were you, what were you going to say? Yeah. So basically, that the yeah. The, so the irony is they they created hype where there shouldn't. Yeah. There there's mm. sort of the mis- air of curiosity and mystery around it. Whereas, if people if the reviewer you know if, if the reviewers know in advance that it's going to be good, that is sort of almost like yeah, you just sort of pave the way almost for for a successful album. Yeah. But um, yeah. Well, but but this kind of like. So, you know this kind of um, business of actually uh, forcing the press not to speak about it and binding them legally not to speak about it and this kind of thing it just seems a little bit it's just excessive isn't it I mean, it's not like a national security kind of like you know what I mean? like, <laughs> it's, it's just absurd and it's yeah. and it was a sign i think that they took themselves far too seriously yeah whether the band did or, i don't know what, what the band were specifically saying about it but i think there was also a sense it's interesting because i this is again this is like one of those things but like is there a sense that the reporters the journalists who were supposed to be reporting on it you know they expect their free preview album and all this kind of thing so they can do their piece on it but they didn't get it and they felt like you know this is this is like you know they felt they had to punish them almost by reviewing the album badly almost as a revenge for it well i think certainly Certainly some of them would have, and certainly in, in retrospect, they did. I think, uh, we, I mean, we t- we've talked before about how, like, with the second album, essentially, the album was not as well-reviewed at the time, but the public loved it, and the critics didn't want to make the same mistake again. So they, in a way, they overcompensated. Yeah. You know, when, you know so, so when, it, when it was released, there was gushing reviews, overwhelmingly positive upon its release, and a lot, you know, most majority, the majority of the sales were within the first week of its release. But then after that, it will kind of tape it off. And I think once, yeah, yeah, yeah. once, uh, once you know, the critics realised that the public were like sending it to the charity shops and stuff, you know, they realised, oh, yeah. maybe, maybe actually, it's not such a good album. It did get some pre-release material, but not the whole thing. And, and in fact, there's a funny story I found about. Um, so Steve Lamac was given a CD with three songs on by the band to yeah. play on BBC Radio, oh, yeah. um, but the condition was you have to—he had to talk over the track so that it couldn't be bootlegged. <laughs> on the people <laughs> tried, people, yeah. And, that, and the funny thing is that after um, after he did a show, he they, they rang him up and they said, "Oh, you didn't talk enough over the tracks." <laughs> really, and that just goes to show like how much. Paranoia, I think yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. the wider circle had around the album. And I don't know, maybe if they were taking part in the drug abuse as well, I don't, that probably didn't help if they, if that's, they were. That's, that's mad, isn't it? It's so ridiculous. Yeah, it's, it's, it's un- You couldn't even imagine doing that now. I mean, you couldn't even no. control it now. No, and I think that's the thing. Um, in later years, they look back on that and they, re- they kind of learned their lessons. They said, oh, you know, particularly in the age of music piracy and stuff, it got to the point where it's like, oh, you know, the song's been linked, you know, who cares, what can you do? Whereas back then, before the advent of Napster and everything, where there was still relative control over yeah. release, then it, it did seem to matter to them. And I think there was certainly a, a concerted effort to, to try and maximise sales by controlling the marketing of it but yeah it clearly backfired so that that kind of that kind of covers off the uh, the hype element of it i guess yeah, um, yeah. 
But then let's also look at the production. I mean, that's yeah. probably the last big thing, which, uh, you know, we've talked about how bloated it is. Um, <laughs> and there's, there's an interesting backstory to this. So basically, when Noel was recording the demos in Mystique with Fern Morris, Owen bought with him a eight-track recorder just to do the demos on. So they kind of filled out the guitar with a bit of like uh, keyboards and a, and a drum machine as well. Now... Morris was pretty happy with those demos. His initial view was, why don't we just transfer those demos onto, uh, basically onto another eight track, essentially. Yeah. Uh, it's a technique called bouncing. So basically, if you, when you have an eight track recorder, as you imagine, that's eight separate channels that you can record something onto. And it's this idea of, right, what we're going to do is we're going to take all those eight channels that we've just used, and we're going to compress them into one on, right, a, yeah. on, on, on another eight track mixer so, <laughs> so basically on the second eight track you've already got one channel used up from the yeah. previous eight track and then you've got another seven tracks you can use to put overdubs on essentially yeah yeah yeah, yeah so his idea was right let's overdub the drums the vocals the rhythm guitar but the problem was because they used a drum machine and it would have been part of the bounce track he wouldn't have been able to remove the drum machine from the recording so that that technical issue was part of the reason why they just kind of re-recorded the whole thing from scratch, essentially, right, in the studio. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But the other problem was basically Noel wanted to make the album as dense and as colossal as possible. <laughs> so, and, and, he, and, it, and there were, uh, I mean, the, Owen Morris said that he got put in this place a few times when he tried to taper it down. You know, Noel was mm. like, no, no, I want more... I want more guitar tracks on this. So he basically dubbed several identical guitar parts in order to create this massive sonic volume. An example is My Big Mouth, which is, I think it's the third track of the album. It has an estimated 30 guitar I was, tracks. I it was actually the second track. Uh, yeah, I think it's pretty yeah. early on. Let's have a look. Yeah, no, second, yeah, you're right. It's the second track, sorry. Um, but yeah. But, but yeah, it has 30 overdubbed guitar tracks. I mean, that's, that's insane. That's just, that's just one instrument. It's not even the, it's not the drums, the vocals, the bass or anything. Yeah. It's just one instrument and it's got 30 layers. And it's no wonder it sounds so epic when you listen to it. But, well, it, it, do, yeah. it does and it doesn't. I mean, it kind of sounds absurd. I mean, I noticed, for example, on the, um, the Mystique, is it the re-release, I suppose you call it? The 2016 re-release, yeah, yeah. Like a remaster or whatever they call it. Yeah. Um, on, on do, you know, do you know what I mean? You can hear... For the first time, I actually, presumably they've always been there, but buried. It was the first time I noticed that the strings on it. Yes. The, so the strings are a lot more present, particularly towards the end of the song, if, if I remember, because I've listened to the original version a few times now, and I, I, can, hear this, I can hear the strings for most of the song, but I think where, mm. when I listened to the 2016 version, what I noticed in particular was towards the end like particularly on the, like the final chorus like how how it, it just punched through a lot more whereas i think in the yeah. in the original track it's you can barely hear it and the and the bass is more present as well so yeah. I, th I think i think what noel must have done on that remix was just to strip out a lot of the fat basically on the guitars and just yeah. in music production and i'm not sure if, if we've kind of discussed this already but essentially you have different frequencies, obviously, covered by different instruments. And this album's dominated by the top end frequency, you know, the treble, yeah, which, yeah, is, yeah, which yeah. is why it's often, I guess, considered a painful listen. But, <laughs> but, yeah. but the thing is, is that essentially to create clarity of sound so that you can pick out individual bits with your listening ear, you have to have breathing space for all these 
different elements. And if you deny that space by having too many overdubs, then that creates for a yeah. uh, less enjoyable listening experience. Really. Well, I mean, so. yeah, I mean, uh, my big mouth is essentially, yeah, like, like I think we've mentioned this before, it's basically like a wall of noise. And it's just it kind is. of, I mean, yeah, as we, as we sort of go towards our conclusions, I think my own view actually is that I never actually sort of forgotten about the remastered version. And I always listen to the full, like the original, uh, well, yeah. not the original, but you know, the, the, the original supposed album, the digital version, obviously on Spotify. And, and it's just kind of, it's like a novel idea to re-listen to the other ones, but yeah. I don't really consider it to be, if someone says, I'll put this on, I won't put the remastered version on. Do you know what I mean? No, no it's got to be the original, hands yeah. down. We've spoken about the general concept of trying to fix the past somewhat. You know what I mean? As uh, I was, uh, I mean, this is going slightly off, off topic, but I used to be a massive Metallica fan, basically. Before, before I got into bands like Oasis <laughs> and stuff, I was, I was more into my yeah. heavy metal when I was in, like, yeah. my, in my earlier teens. And there was an album they did in the late 80s called And Justice For All. And in, in kind of like the history of the band, a lot of, a lot of fans point to that album as like, oh, you know, you can barely hear the bass in it. You know, if we just fixed that, the album would be perfect. But the band always maintain, and even the bass player of the time who played on the album, they, they always say, well, look, you may think that, but it is what it is. And we stand by it. You know, okay, it's not perfect, but that's just what it is. You know, it's, yeah. if anything, yeah. that like would be here now, that's part of its charm, part of the attention it's drawn to is the fact that it's not perfect. Yes, it, it draws attention for perhaps the wrong reasons, but uh, they're reasons nonetheless. And, you know, I think, you know, I mean, we can go into track list in a second, but despite the production problems, despite all the other kind of themes you mentioned, it's still a good album. There's still plenty to like about it. And sure, there's, there's things that in hindsight, it'd be easy to, to change, you know, with a remix here or there, but it doesn't change what originally happened and it and i don't think it yeah. should either really i think but if, if i mean if you take the view that there is a certain you know the game so to speak is to do what you can with the resources that you had at the time within mm. the time that you've got uh then then you can't sort of go back and change it afterwards that's sort of like yeah, yeah. it's almost like saying oh yeah you, know, you could have done this football match better if you'd done this and it's like yeah, yeah okay yeah. <laughs> So what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you missed. Yeah, the the time's gone. The moment's yeah. gone. You can't pretend that you can improve it now because it's too late. It's yeah, it's all about just learning from the lessons, I guess. And I'm sure that you know Oasis did. They did learn their lessons from from this album. I think. Yeah. Uh, it's, at least, in, at least from a production perspective. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, uh, yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because I, I always think that they uh, they they have the funny. Um, they're just funny, aren't they? They're just kind of like, you know, now when you see them, because they're always separate now, aren't they? Because they don't speak to each other, but yeah. well, much at least. And Noel seems to have just kind of like disappeared off into space somehow. I'm not really sure what, what he's all about now. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's very like, experimental, these, yeah. Yeah, he has these really <laughs> sort of weird ideas going on. Whereas yeah. Liam, although Liam is obviously like, you know, he seems to be a little bit lost as well, but he's he is at least... He seems more true to the cause, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's more. Yeah. He's still in the rock style. Yeah, exactly, he, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he's, he's. I think the music. I mean, I have. I'll be honest. I haven't really listened fully to all of his solo material, but there are a few songs I liked when they came out. But yeah. from what I could gauge, is that he, you know, his his music 
is more it's going to appeal more to your traditional racist fan yeah than as you were as you were as right just, I, I really enjoyed it but yeah, yeah i mean most of it at least <laughs> yeah well he's got a good songwriting team behind the bottle looks of it and i think the style of the yeah. songs is very is very kind of 90s oasis definitely i think it's definitely playing to that type of fan really and and it, and it works he has his he has his followers and and rightly so because yeah. he, he he may not have perhaps the overall strength of songwriting ability that Noel does however Liam is an entertainer he yeah is, exactly he is I mean I was just thinking like when I was watching the videos of like yeah. old performances he is so distinctive like the way he sings like the not just like his singing style but like how he holds himself when he's like coming up to the microphone and he has it at an angle so he's, he's singing yeah. up into the microphone yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. it's like yeah. no one else does that no yeah, one yeah. else does that. that that's what makes him so memorable Definitely. and there'll, ne- there'll never be another like him so we have to uh, appreciate him for what he, what is, he is who he is yeah, you know? yeah. and his bluntness is refreshing at times like yeah, <laughs> not everyone may like that about him, but i think it's hilarious you know he's just yeah. uh, he's like he's he's just yeah. he's just, yeah he's just gobby isn't he that's yeah just... songs then let's let's see like what songs we we liked do you want to go first was it yeah any standout ones for you there are two or three for me to be honest so uh, god i I actually really like the entire album but my favorite one really is magic pie okay Uh, purely because of that it's got that sort of guitar slide i think you call it or a slide guitar yeah yeah slide guitar in in there which is this is quite cool but also it just has a kind of vibe it kind of has that vibe to the, the lyric um I dig his friends. I dig his shoes. I'm just a child with nothing to lose but my mind. But my mind. I just, that was just amazing. <laughs> like it was just next level. And especially at the time when I was re- listening to it, which is at university, obviously, by this point. And it was just I don't know. It was just just kind of um, yeah. It just epitomised the the time that I was in. But okay. Yeah. I mean, that, that's probably my favourite. I mean, I'm quite keen on. Do you know what I mean? Obviously, it's quite good. I'm quite keen on the two ending tracks that sort of, for me, always play, I always play them together. But actually, three ending tracks, because Be Here Now, All Around the World, and then It's Getting Better, Man. Yeah. For me, they're, they're sort of all, especially especially all, all Around the World and Getting Better, Man, sort of blend together, because they sort of are yeah. almost, they sort of fade into each other. But, but the, um, just sort of like, just anthemic tunes, do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I mean, all of them are, really, I suppose. Even... I hope I think I know and that, that lot. But yeah, but those, those are my favourites, I suppose. Yeah. What about you? So, yeah, I, I, I agree, certainly on um, uh, those, those, those last three you were talking about. I mean, I know there's the, the reprise of All Around the World at the, at the very end, which I feel is kind of misplaced. I, I don't think that really needs to be there, if I'm honest. It's kind of, it's kind of pointless, yeah. I mean, it's, it's quite it, funny having that sort of the door close at the end and the steps. Footsteps. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, the, the, the thing is, is that... <laughs> 
even if you cut that off the album, it would only take off two minutes out of a total yeah. like seventy-one minute runtime. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it wouldn't yeah, make that much yeah. difference. But yeah, but yeah, no, the last three songs in particular, great. I love the album track. It's like you know what it is. You know what it is, right? It's like it descends into this sort of mayhem. Maybe. Yes, it does. Yeah. <laughs> but the other the other tracks are all quite distinct things. Yeah. But those yeah. three are just kind of like, Wah. yeah. This is this is where the drugs sink in, probably. Yeah. I think like "Be Here Now," big bluesy stomper. Like I love the nonsensical lyrics in it. You know, like uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rap, yeah, yeah. Rap, rap, rap up cold when it's warm outside. Yeah. You know, <laughs> your shit jokes remind me of Dixies. You know, it's just yeah. <laughs> it's just it's just it's just a nonsensical song, and I love the toilet flush at the end as well. <laughs> the song finishes. Yeah, it's just bizarre. It's just totally bonkers. The whole thing. Is that them flushing the drugs down the toilet when the police. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what, what what. Yeah, I assume so. Yeah, I guess yeah. so. Yeah. But why is it even there? Do you know what I mean? Like, what, I, what is I, that? What is I, that? I is there any that. point in trying to work out what it is? I suppose not. Probably not. <laughs> All around the world, it's a big song. I mean, I like. I certainly like the first verse and stuff like that, you know, it's, yeah. uh, and it's, um, yeah, it's very a uh, Hey Jude sort of song. Great, great sing-along song. It could be shorter, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It could but then, definitely then you wouldn't shorter. have those moments where you're just sort of at home and you're suddenly, well, I, I, let's say I, not necessarily everybody else, but I suddenly burst out with, nah. <laughs> just inexplicably out of the yeah. blue. And, and like, it's getting better. Again, like, that, that's the, I mentioned that song earlier. It's a great optimistic kind of feel sort of song and again it could be shorter but i wouldn't trim as much off that as i would all around the world but you know i, I yeah. take them i take them as they are i i, I love them regardless really yeah. um <laughs> but yeah in terms of the rest of the album yeah do you know what i mean is a great what an epic anthem what a great yeah, way to yeah. start this this uh this this album it's so powerful yeah. and I, I love the um you know how the song ends it's got this like this reverse guitar effect yeah yeah like i love that i love how yeah. it ends i love how it starts with the plane the propeller plane sounds yeah. you know echoing throughout and yeah and it's all it, that it's, it's ironic really because although the writing was so forced it's almost like they just went like they just did whatever they wanted on the creative side you know in the yeah. production side of things yeah it's, it's just kind of mental i i think maybe there is something about that that is actually quite yeah, it's obviously just totally like yeah, they just all bounds were were gone. Yeah, all the boundaries were gone basically at this point. Yeah, there, there was. Yeah, you know, as we discussed, but but like you know, in, in that can I don't know. Maybe, maybe obviously, obviously, it's just like not for everybody, but for, yeah. yeah. But like it's, yeah, there's lots of like random loud feedback from the guitars and uh, there's lots of solos and whatnot. So it's uh, yeah. there's a lot going on. My big mouth, as loud as it is um, and overwhelming, it. I love the bridge in it as well as the chorus, um, and it's just in your face. It's a real, it's just a real slap in the face when you when you when it, when it comes on. Uh, apparently, they, I think they played this for the first time in years on their final tour. I think when they were promoting "Dig Out Your Soul," they did this in Liverpool. I think they didn't play it when we saw them. I know that for yeah, a fact, yeah, but yeah. they played it. I think. Uh, somewhere in the north, I think it was Liverpool when they were on that "Dig Out Your Soul" tour in two thousand eight, and. And I thought, oh man, I would have been, I would have loved to have seen that. You know, but, <laughs> yeah. Oh well, because yeah. they don't. That's, that's another thing as well, isn't it? They never, yeah. they never, they never played them any of these songs for the amount yeah. of time that you're talking about. But yeah, they. I, I definitely said. I think if Noel had anything to do with it, he certainly would have like kept them off the uh, the set list. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah. 
and there's some there's some great uh, album tracks in the middle. So I hope yeah. I think I know. For me, yeah, that yeah. sounds like definitely maybe era Oasis, like kind of early yeah. Oasis. You know, particularly like the lead guitar tone that Noel uses. It just reminds me of like some of those B sides they've got yeah. on Master Plan, like Stay Young and that kind of thing. The girl in the dirty shirt's quite jazzy in parts. Yeah. It's got quite a hooky chorus. Um, yeah. And don't go away. That's my favourite song on the album. Is it? Yeah, yeah, I, I love it. It's for me. It's like a classic Oasis style ballad. It's very mature. It's got lovely strings in it, and it's probably probably one of the least bloated songs on the on the album. Yeah, it's it's it is, not yeah. it's not too long. It's not too short. I, I just love it. I would I'd pick that as my favorite every day. And I, yeah, Stand by Me again. Great great sing along chorus. Probably again you could actually cut it mental down a bit. video yeah. as well. By the way. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> hilarious at points. That's, that's worth well. watching if anyone is listening. Yeah, if, if anyone yeah. wants to see, if you take one just one thing out of this, watch the Stand by Me video. Yeah, that's uh, that is quite a funny video in parts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think songs that I you know I know you like Magic Pie. I I didn't connect with it as much personally. You viscerally hate it. Yeah, everybody, everybody hates Magic hates, Pie. Magic hates... Pie is like I, I remember talking to a guy from school back in 2008, 2007, when I was getting into this, and we had these Oasis chats. I don't think I've spoken to him for about 12 years now. But um, <laughs> That's why. That's why you have <laughs> Yeah, this is the reason. Yeah. And he was just like, yeah, Magic Pie is just awful. And I was yeah. like, is it? <laughs> and now I'm pretty convinced that it's actually, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, nobody else is, but I am. Every song has to have its defenders, essentially. And I don't hate the song. I think that's a strong word. But I, for me, it just doesn't, it feels a bit slow and plodding along like I think yeah. maybe I just don't connect with it it's, it's interesting because I feel like there are phases you know I know because the album is so epic it's almost like it's broken into phases yeah and there are fast and slow bits and, and I think there is definitely the the slide the, the home straight starts at be here now definitely. Um, and then yeah. there's the there's the sort of slowish bit in the middle with fading out and don't go away yeah um, I'm not sure yeah the, the start is a bit more bitty I suppose but those two sort of stand out in my mind maybe magic pie ruins the first part of the flow of the album maybe. yeah it That's does it, do, it does for me it just seems a bit misplaced it's like you, you punch in with do you know what i mean then you really rock out with my big mouth and all of a sudden you, you're, you're deflating the time slow down a bit yeah <laughs> like, well maybe no, well, you are you are like yeah. nearly 10 minutes into the album by this point so maybe touche yeah Touché. i don't know yeah. <laughs> i know you mean yeah, yeah. Uh, now uh, before we kind of wrap up and talk about some favourite lyrics of from, yeah. from the track, um, uh, yes, the yeah. album, um, which is a favourite part of ours, um, fade in dash out. Like for me, this <laughs> is I don't know what it is, but to me, it sounds like Noel trying to sound like Bon Jovi. This sounds like a real Bon really? Jovi sort of song, but this is a very very American kind of sounding song. It really feels it really sticks out on the album for me, yeah, not necessarily in the, in a good way. I, I just think. It's just not what I would expect. That's all. I don't. I don't yeah. dislike the song. It's just different for what Oasis normally do, and it's different to the rest of the album as well. It doesn't fall into the typical mold. So it just, it just feels like um, an odd one out for me. Um, yeah. and, and it does take a while to get to the big crescendo at the end. Apparently, um, Johnny Depp plays some slight guitar in this song. <laughs> really? I mean, did, yeah, just, just, also, just, but that's, yeah. that's, this is like the epitome of the era. Yeah, it? yeah. Just, oh, yeah. Let's get some random celebrity to play yeah. on the track. Yeah. Um, but also, um, the sort of scream in the middle always catches, always sort of makes me jump. But yeah, yeah. yeah that's, again, that's not, it's not what I'd expect from, uh, from the yeah. band, really. But, exactly, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they were obviously, yeah, they're trying to do something a bit different. Yeah. I, do, I do think probably, though, or maybe I'll, I'll save it for my favourite lyric. 
Okay. <laughs> but essentially, like most of that album, easily playlist pick. Definitely, I would uh, I would pick the majority of the album. On, yeah. You know, to, to go onto a playlist. And would you play them all together, or would you play them? Yeah. You know what? You know what? I'm I'm not. If I was to, if I'm going to listen to the album, I'm not going to, I'm not going to skip the tracks. I'm going to, I'm going to do it the yeah. justice it deserves. You know, I'm not going to be that guy. <laughs> no, but if I was doing a playlist, that'd be different, obviously. But, but no, when I, when I re-listen to the album, I listen to it warts and all. You know, that's, that's yeah, 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 definitely, yeah, yeah. It's the only way. Come to the end of of, the, of today's episode. Let's let's reflect on some some favourite lyrics. Uh, do you want to go first? Yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. 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 no seriously. Uh, so I do quite like uh, wrap up cold because it's warm outside because it's hilarious. Yeah. That's just hilarious. Uh, yeah, it is. But but my favourite one I think was was it I don't see no shine. Uh, today is just a daydream. Tomorrow will be cast away. Okay, which just like which, which it's, that? Oh, that on it's in fade fading out. Oh, okay. And um, it's funny because it's like because the way they say it, and I think this is potentially intentional. No one can ever tell. Yeah. But they say today is just a daydream. Tomorrow will be cast away. It's like, does that mean that today is the daydream and it will be cast away, or tomorrow <laughs> we will be cast away? <laughs> Are they talking about themselves? I don't know. It's, oh, it's oh, oddly yeah. prophetic. Yeah, Noel songwriting is mysterious, uh, to put it politely. You know, it's like it's just, yeah. Yeah, a lot of, and he he'll freely admit that a lot of a lot of what he writes just doesn't make sense, particularly in those early Oasis tracks. <laughs> it's just, yeah, I think I think it's yeah. I think it's often quite futile to try and understand what an artist yeah. is actually trying to mean. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, also removes the mystery. I think if you if you yeah. know exactly like what people are referring to it does it doesn't hold as much power or as much mystery it's like when, when yeah and it changes the song for you as well especially if you thought something else yeah because people who've like listened to my album you know if they ask me oh you know what's this song about what, you know what do you mean by that and i always i always deliberately try and tell them like part of the truth but not all of it you know i, I, I don't give it all away do you know what i mean because in a way that's kind of yeah, that's definitely. always going to be personal to the songwriter isn't it you don't you, you don't want to Give the whole thing away you want to give them an idea of what the general theme is but you don't you don't want to like run through every single inspiration and detail do you know what i mean so it's, i think uh, yeah I, I agree with you i agree with you and also i think i think there is a merit to also just letting them make it out. up for themselves yeah, yeah. oh yeah or that yeah. yeah they figure it out for themselves yeah. in their own minds i suppose because in some ways it's it's a bit like um sort of like the silly uh fortune tellers or like tarot yeah. cards or something like this so it's like the interpretation is so vague People just see themselves in it, essentially. Yeah. yeah. There's nothing specific there, but but they read into it. I was like, oh, you make a, you'll meet a tall, dark stranger. It's like, well, what, what does that mean? You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, like, it's just kind of, it doesn't mean anything. It, and yet you could mean, say, it could mean everything. It could mean anything. It's probably the art of I think that's maybe part of the art of it. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll tell you what it is, Tim. It's, it's just filler for you to connect the dots yourself. That's all that is. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, there it is. That's the, yeah. quote of the uh, quote of the episode. Music is just filler for you to connect the dots. <laughs> I think no, I think I think I think I think it's a fair I think it's a fair point to be honest. I think it's a fair point. 
Yeah, yeah. There, there is a there is a psych, psychology to it. That's for sure. It's a mirror to our souls. Yeah. Right. Let's not let's not get too epic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> any any other um, standout lyrics for you? Uh, no, I think that's probably it. I think it's your turn, isn't it? I think probably yeah, I've, I've got three picks. So my big yeah. mouth goes first. So yeah. uh, I love the bridge which says, and round this town, you've ceased to be. Oh, yeah. That's what you get for sleeping with the enemy. <laughs> Where angels fly, you, you won't play. So I guess he's going to take the blame for my big mouth. So go into the, into the chorus. And I love yes. it when he says, you know, who'll put on my shoes whilst they're walking slowly down the Hall of Fame. So, yeah. <laughs> in a way, it's kind of, it is reflecting on the kind of the fame element of being big rock stars, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. One of the themes of the album, certainly the, the backdrops to it, as we discussed. Stand by me, the opening line, made a meal and threw it up on Sunday. I've got a lot of things to learn. <laughs> that, that for me just, it makes me smile every yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I just say there is so much in Stand By Me. Like there's so I feel like they, although again, as we say, you know, they force the songwriting, they blah blah blah. But they, um, they I felt there is so much emotion in Stand By Me somehow. Yeah, yeah, there is. It's it's a heartfelt song. Like that, it's not just the song lyrics themselves, but the way that Liam sings it is very yeah. like is almost like someone crying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Liam, it's interesting because much as Noel may have had doubts about his songwriting at this point, you wouldn't know it by Liam's voice like he, he fully stands behind it he, he sings his his heart yeah. out on this album and arguably by this point his voice is deteriorating from too much rock and roll lifestyle you could say I think if you compare <laughs> his voice on this album to say the first album it's less yeah. it's a lot more rough let's say yeah, but yeah, yeah. Um, like when you listen to him live, when you listen to some of the live I, I was just I was, oh it's hilarious he's just shouting just sometimes isn't it yeah, yeah. <laughs> But that's the thing. Look at, I mean, I sent you that video uh, for a reason because I, I wanted to kind of show you what I meant when I thought about how this album would be an absolute party live. Like, listen, like, you know, it, it, just being in that yeah. moment where that band is at their peak, you know, and they're playing these big songs. And that must have been so much fun to be there that night, just like hearing, the, hearing these songs from the new album and, and just being part of the the madness of it all. I mean, like when you're talking about those last three tracks on the album, yeah, that, that really is where, where everything goes crazy. And then I'd love to be in that moment. I'd love to just have that turn up loud yeah. and just be in a room full of people going mental. Yeah, yeah, you know, going nuts uh, for it. Yeah, and that for me is almost the way to appreciate this album is by embracing, yeah, the, agree. embracing yeah, yeah, the madness definitely. rather than being like, oh, what the hell is this? Oh, what's you know? this? What's yeah. that? Yeah. Explain it, just get on with it. It's too too many guitar solos. It's like yeah. mm, uh, just just enjoy the excess, you know. Yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> too many guitars on this and, track. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not enough bass. The the, uh, the top end is too much. Yeah, <laughs> but that's the thing. You know, I think as you were saying earlier, you got to be in the mood for this album. It's not an album you could just stick on willy nilly. You got to be in the right mood for it, and that's the only way you'll appreciate it. And fight final one for me. Don't go away. Yeah. Uh, I like the line. Um, Damn my education! I can't find the words to say about the things caught in my mind. You know, it's uh, it's kind of slightly yeah. slightly silly, but also heartfelt. You know, uh, well, it's it's not even it's. I don't. Do you think it's silly? I think it's like it's sort of quite. Again, it's like one of those lyrics which it might have been written in haste or written whatever yeah. in in by force or whatever. But like it's sort of, and the way he sings it as well is also part yeah. of it. But but like yeah. it, it, it's just that's that's it, isn't it? It's like yeah. Like some, you just can't think of how you want to express the emotion that you're feeling. Yeah, it's it's heartfelt and it's and it's memorable, you know. So as much as 
and, it, and it's like, yeah. and it's like, sorry, and, 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 you know, the thing's caught in my mind. It's like your mind is jammed with stuff you want to say, but you can't, you can't say it. It's, yeah. 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 It, 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 I think it is a song that is reflecting an inability to fully express your emotions or your thoughts, you know, and I think that's something we, I guess we can all relate to at some point, but you know, it's, um, it is my favorite song. It's, it's got so much emotion and um, authenticity to it really. Uh, and it's, Musically, it ticks a lot of boxes for me as well. Yeah. So, and so that's the thing, you know, you reflect on this album, and it's like, well, if this is Noel, you know, not at his best, I mean, what does that say about him as a songwriter, considering yeah. how great the songs still are on this album? If that's his substandard work, then his absolute best standard work is absolutely killer stuff. You know, it can't be rivaled, it, so. I think that's always been what the people say about the master plan because it yeah. can stand alone as his own album and yeah <clears throat> these these songs are all apparently supposed to be b-sides yeah so um, and also one of my favorite things about oasis is that whenever they write a song which is like emotional or a love song or whatever you can never really tell whether they're writing it about each other <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the latest argument that they like, had, like, like Fleetwood Mac kind of style writing well yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly yeah 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 like because obviously they always yeah. have these arguments and they'll piss each other off all the time and whatever and yeah. it's like you know stand by me yeah like um yeah don't go away yeah it's just yeah I don't know it's just funny isn't it? well I think they say that that's often how acquiesce is uh is interpreted isn't it you know and yeah yeah but that's that's yeah, yeah exactly yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. Well, I think that kind of brings it to an end, really. We, um, our episode, indeed. Yeah, we, we hope you've enjoyed listening to this as, as much as we have enjoyed talking about, yeah, uh, about about this album and about one of our favourite bands. Um, yeah, it's fun. I, don't, I don't think we've decided yet what we're going to look at next week, but I'm sure we'll uh, find out soon enough. We'll come up with something, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, Pretty good. Yeah. All right. Uh, that'll well, be the end uh, of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll see you. See you next time, guys. Thank you.